County Presbyterian Church. My name is Jeff Birch, and I'm the pastor here at LOPC. And whether you're with us in person or on the live stream, we offer a very warm welcome to each and every one of you. It is our joy, it's our pleasure, it's our privilege that we gather together in honor of the Lord Jesus Christ to celebrate his grace, to exalt his name, and it is good when the people of God come together to worship the Lord. If you're visiting with us for the very first time today, we hope that you got what I like to commonly call our bag of swag. It's good stuff in there. There's some tumblers and information and different stuff that lets you know about us, gives us the opportunity to get to know you, uh, and lets you know that we are thrilled that you're here with us, that you've chosen to worship with us. If you're on the end of an aisle, we'd like to ask you to get started the friendship pads. And this is for everyone. It allows us the opportunity to get to know you. And so pass them down to your friend in the aisle there, and then we can return them. And, it, and like I said, that's for everybody. I want to highlight several different uh, announcements of things going on. Obviously, it's a very special day when we come to the Lord's table. So we hope we have prepared our hearts as this is another means of grace where we are fed with the nutrients of Christ, I like to call them. And we are fed with his love and his presence, so hopefully you've prepared your heart for that. Uh, next Sunday, October 16th, we will have a visiting missionary with us. His name is John Gordy. He works with our college ministry, Reformed University Fellowship. He's the campus minister at Valdosta State. And he will be doing a Sunday school class here in the sanctuary at 9.15. So a reminder to be on time in terms of that. And then he will be giving kind of a missions moment, a little update uh, at the 10.30 service. So, and then if you want to mark your calendars, ladies, we have, this is exciting. We don't get to do this every day, but this is pretty cool. A baby shower for Grace Thomas will be on Saturday afternoon, October 29th at 1 o'clock. You can see, Lynn, can I point them to see you if they have any questions regarding that? Lynn Folks up here, she heads the women's ministry. And so what a fun time to socialize together, to fellowship together, and to celebrate uh, the impending birth there for Grace and Gary. So we're excited about that. And speaking of excitement, Last week, we launched what we're calling LOPC 2.0. And I'm excited to share with you that we have some new staff that will be starting in 2023. Now, these staff, we kind of began working on this. If you remember, this was budgeted for 2022, and it's also part of our 2023, you know, our stewardship campaign. Travis and Ellen Skillingstad, stand up. This is, they know they're coming here, and I'm going to embarrass them. Travis is our new youth director, and Ellen is our new children's ministry director. And I told them the longer you clap, the longer they have to stand. And so we are just so excited. They both come from Augusta, and Travis is a seminary student at RTS Atlanta. They have a lot of experience uh, working in ministry, and we are just so excited. Pray for them as they will be doing all the things you have to do when you move, selling a house, buying a house, 
telling friends, come from Augusta out here to Lake Oconee. The party's going to be out here. It's a whole lot of fun in terms of that. Pray for them as they get ready to begin their ministries. We're very excited as we both celebrate our past and build together for what I think the Lord has for us, a very, very exciting future. So those are some of the things that are going on in the life of the church. And now, as the prelude is prayed, is played, let's prepare our hearts this morning for worship. Isn't it amazing 
that the God of the universe, the God who owns all things, calls us into his very presence to lift high his name and to worship him. You may have had a great week. You may be really struggling. You may be on kind of top of the world, on the mountaintop. You may be feeling weary and exhausted and tired. God sees you. God knows you. God cares. Jesus weeps with us. Jesus loves us. He is personally here dwelling amongst us. Our call to worship this morning is from 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 13. Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. And David said, Blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name. Father, everything in heaven and earth belongs to you. We are breathing right now by your gracious gift. We are dependent upon you. We are to manage what you have given us for your glory. Lord, fill us with your presence that we would praise you, that we would exalt you, that we would be thunderstruck by your love, your grace, your mercy. We invoke your name to join with us as we worship you this morning. May everything we do, do be done to your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing, O Worship the King.
Whenever we come into the Lord's presence for worship, there's a reason we do the order and the structure, what has been called the liturgy each week. We are rehearsing the gospel story so that that's the story that defines our life and that shapes our life. And just like Isaiah 6 in the temple, when Isaiah was confronted with the glory of God, and he said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So much like we've just done hearing the call to worship, singing God's praise, oh, worship the king, it leads us then to see our own need of confession, our own need of repentance, our own need to turn to him that we may receive the abundance of his grace. Remember where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There is no sin so deep, so heinous, so great that it cannot be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. In John's first letter, this to me is amazing, he has spent five chapters talking about the practical aspects of the Christian life. How to be Christ-centered, how to walk in love, how to have assurance of salvation. And he ends it all with this one little verse, 1 John 5.21, that says, Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Why would that close out his letter? Because idols are always the sin underneath any sin that we do. Let's just say, for example, the sin of not telling the truth, lying. That's the sin on the surface, but underneath there's a reason for it. It could be that we want ourselves to look good. And so how we look becomes more important than Jesus Christ at that moment. It could be we want the approval of others. And approval then becomes more important than Jesus Christ. Idols are always the sin underneath every sin, and we all have them. We're a Reformed church. Do you want to know what John Calvin said about the human heart? He said, the human heart is an idol-making factory. You didn't know you all were in manufacturing, did you? You thought maybe I was in sales or something like that. <laughs> Convicting words from the great reformer, John Calvin. So I want to give you a few moments to come clean with the Lord. I call this doing business with God. Confess your sin, knowing that where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. The purpose of this is not beating ourselves up. The purpose of this, the more we see our sinfulness, the more, hopefully, we are in love with, we are galvanized by, we're thunderstruck by the grace of God. Take a few moments to personally confess your sins, and then in a few moments we will pray together our corporate confession of sin. Let's pray. Friends, let us pray together. Eternal God, in whom we live and move and have our being, whose face is hidden from us by our sins, and whose mercy we forget in the blindness of our hearts, cleanse us from all our offenses and deliver us from proud thoughts 
and vain desires, that with reverent and humble hearts we may draw near to you, confessing our faults, confiding in your grace, and finding in you our refuge and strength. Through Jesus Christ, your Son. Amen. And friends, receive the assurance of pardon. Paul writes to Timothy, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Let's stand together and sing, We Will Feast in the House of Zion. but we have the assurance that if we're in Christ, Jesus weeps with us. He goes with us through every affliction. I think often of the fact that Jesus' name is Emmanuel, God with us. And so he is with us in everything. And he binds up 
the brokenhearted and heals their wounds. What a great hope we have. I can't imagine not having that hope. Friends, let's join together in a time of prayer. We will pray together the Lord's Prayer, and then I will lead us in prayer. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Father, we thank you for this prayer that you have given us through Jesus, teaching us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, knowing that you are in charge of all things, that you are completely sovereign, that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus, that there really is no chaos in the world as chaotic as things might appear. We pray, Father, that we would live in the light of the promises of your word, that you care for us and you provide for us, that you are our shepherd, that you see us, that you know us, and that you love us. Father, we recognize and we acknowledge that there are many of our number who are hurting, many who have suffered loss, and we pray for their comfort. We pray for peace. We pray, Father, for those who are either in hospitals or hurting in some way. And we ask, Father, again, that your grace would be with them, that they would know your presence, they would know your weeping with them. Father, we pray for all of us as we live our lives in the world, that, Lord, you would be with us, that we would walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we would recognize we are ambassadors for Christ in everything that we do. And so, Lord, we pray that we would, be, we would have an attitude and a mindset that Lake Oconee and where we live is a mission field and that you've called us to this mission field. And so, Father, we pray this morning for LOPC 2.0. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you, Father, for those who have given. We thank you, Father, for your work in our midst. Lord, this morning we are excited and we thank you for Travis and Ellen. We thank you for their lives. We pray for Travis and Ellen and their daughter Leah. We ask that you would be with them during this time of transition. That you would give them your peace. That you would prepare them to come to work here. That you would help them in the selling of their home and buying a new home. All the details that have to be worked out. Help them to be still and know that you are God. And Father, we are excited about ministry here. And we pray that you would grab hold of our hearts, that we would be so in love with the gospel, not because we can work that up within ourselves, but because we see how much you love us, that we love because you first loved us, that we would be dumbfounded and thunderstruck the fact that the living God of the universe could be so in love with us. How amazing is that? And I pray that we would be so amazed by that, that that would grab hold of our hearts and change us and transform us. 
So Lord, as we come before your word in a few moments, as we come to your table, open the eyes of, your, of our hearts that they'd be illumined, that we would see the riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the glory of his grace. Father, thank you for who you are and what you're doing. We praise you, we marvel at you, we wonder at you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen.
and again, I'm tempted to say, that's it, how great thou art, let's go home. I won't do that. I prepare a sermon, so yes, and we're coming to the Lord's table, but wow, Amy, Lynn, choir, amazing. That is what I want to grab hold of our hearts. Think about this. And when I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. Friends, that's what LOPC 2.0 is all about. It's about our hearts being gripped by the gospel. It is about transformation. I am not a fundraiser. It is about our faith in Christ, his sufficiency, his love for us, and then seeing a world out there, seeing a community out there, seeing our neighborhoods out there, that without the hope of the gospel, they're dead and dying. And just like we said about Jonah last week, when God said to Jonah, should I not care about that great city of Nineveh, a city of 120,000 people who don't have any spiritual discernment? The question for us is, where is our true treasure? That's what we're going to look at this morning. What is the treasure of your heart, and where is our true treasure to be found? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that your word is aimed at our hearts. It is aimed at heart change, that grace transforms us. We pray, Father, for your spirit to be at work amongst us, changing me, changing us, and changing our community. We ask for re renewal. We ask for the hope of the gospel to grab hold of us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know how I love the Lord of, Ring, Lord of the Rings. You may have heard this illustration. You may have read the book before. But in the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring is, is entering the ancient realm of the elves, a place called Lorien. And one of the company of men in this case, his name is Boromir, he's apprehensive about encountering this unknown. Change scares us, change scared him. This is an unknown, unpredictable land, unknown, unpredictable venture, and he's having a conversation with his fellow human, Aragorn. And he says, but of that perilous land we have heard in Gondor, and it is said that few come out who once go in. And of that few, none have escaped unscathed. Aragorn responds, oh, my dear Boromir, say not unscathed, but if you say unchanged, then maybe you will speak the truth. LOPC 2.0, yes, is a bold vision, and it will not leave us unchanged. Why? Because it is all about being transformed by the love of God and sharing that transformation with others. And an encounter with God's love will never leave you unchanged. That may be some of the reasons we resist it. It's easier to stay safe. It's easier to find our comfort zone and there may be a reluctance because God's love is a conquering power. And we need love to conquer our hearts. This text, what we're doing, this bold vision, is aimed at our hearts. 
We are going to be spending the next two weeks looking at the topic of stewardship. And stewardship is so much bigger, so much more than just the giving of our tithes, the giving of our resources, the giving of our money. For here's my thesis. Life is stewardship. Now we're going to look at a text. If you have Bibles, I invite you to open them with me. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 to 34. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O oh, you of little faith, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Friends, this is the word of the Lord given by the triune God of love because he loves you. Here's what we want to look at today. We want to look at the big picture of stewardship. The fact that life is stewardship. And stewardship is about the kingdom of God. Stewardship is about the fact that God owns everything, and he has entrusted to us the management of what he owns. Now, I know it's tempting to think, oh my goodness, <laughs> that's too big a job. That's a lot of pressure. That's not the way to look at it. That is enormous dignity. Do you recognize the dignity with which we have been created and with which we have been given. Richard Pratt, who was a former teacher at RTS in Orlando, now runs Third Millennium Ministry, he says this, he says, everyone has lost the punch 
of Christianity because we've lost the story of Christianity. Listen to that. That's a challenging quote. Everyone has lost the punch of Christianity because we have lost the story of Christianity. And what is the story of Christianity? It begins at creation. Genesis chapter 1. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. Now, Dr. Pratt reminds us that in the context where Moses wrote that, in the ancient Near East, it was only kings and emperors who were called the images of the gods. And they had a job. They were kind of the intermediaries that had to learn the will of God in heaven and then enforce that will on earth. And then he says Moses was absolutely radical because he said that all human beings were the image of God and not just kings or emperors. And they were called to fill not just the Garden of Eden, but the entire earth with the knowledge of God. In other words, humanity, this is what it means to be a steward. Humanity's purpose is to be an instrument of kingdom expansion, extending God's kingdom throughout the earth is the purpose of humanity. Stewardship is about the kingdom of God. Paul said, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices. Your lives, our entire lives are be because of the mercies of God, because of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We present our bodies to be used. Our time, our gifts, our resources, our talents, and yes, our treasure is to be used to further kingdom expansion. See, when we talk about the gospel, we must remember that what we're talking about is the gospel of the kingdom. You don't separate the good news of Jesus Christ from Jesus Christ's kingdom. And the gospel always demands a response from us. It becomes like a marriage proposal, which individuals must accept or reject. Whenever the gospel is presented to people, God is, in essence, asking, will you marry me? That demands a yes or no. How many of us think about this? And I know we may have to think a while back. But when you ask your spouse, you ask your future wife to marry you, you do the get down on one knee, you plan something special, you do that, you kind of get down, honey, I love you, all the reasons, you give all of this, and then you get on one knee, will you marry me? And she says, maybe. She says, let me get back to you. Can I have three weeks to pray about it? Oh, how pious and spiritual that sounds. Come on, fellas, we know what that answer is. That's a no. Jesus asks us every day of our lives, will you marry him? We are called, by the way, the bride of Christ. One commentator put it this way. He says, here's the basic teaching of Christianity as regards to salvation. It says that although the entrance fee to the Christian life is nothing at all, it is completely by grace. The annual subscription rate is absolutely everything you have. 
Jesus said, and tell me, I don't know if this is the evangelism training we necessarily want to have, but this was Jesus' evangelism. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do we believe that? Whoever loses his life. Richard Pratt goes on to say, the American meta-narrative of an inalienable right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness might be good for government, but it's hard to support in terms of biblical Christianity. A narcissistic gospel is not found in the Bible. I'm telling you this because I want you to flourish. The path to joy is lose your life for the sake of the gospel. I am interested in your growth, and we grow by saying, I do, to Jesus every day. LOPC 2.0 is aimed at transformation. It is aimed at faith raising. It is aimed at heart change. But what gets in the way of growth? What stands in the way? This is really simple. We should know the answer to this. Raise your hand. It's called self. We get in the way of growth. It's real interesting in the context of this text in Matthew 6, part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is not saying how to get in the kingdom. He's describing life in the kingdom. He's speaking to his disciples. It's not a salvation by works. He's saying, for you, you've received grace. You're in. You're free. Here's what kingdom life looks like. And he says what gets in the way of kingdom life is self. And in Matthew 6, it comes in two forms. Verses 1 to 18, it's all about hypocrisy. Verses 19 to 34, it's all about anxiety. And hypocrisy and anxiety are not so far apart as we might think. The cause of both is similar, and so is the cure. Let's take a look at both of those things. Let's look at Jesus' diagnosis, and let's look at Jesus' cure. St. Augustine said, where your pleasure is, there is your treasure. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. Where your heart is, there is your happiness. Jesus' diagnosis is, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first part, the first thing that leads to anxiety, the first thing that leads to us not living as stewards, is we have treasure in the wrong place. Now think about this. What is treasure? It's that which we prize most dearly. That's why Augustine said, your treasure is where your pleasure is. Where you spend your money shows it's just a display. It's a demonstration of where your pleasure is. It shows what you prize most dearly. Jesus says there's only two places for our treasure to be, heaven or earth. Earth is a very insecure place to have your treasure. Earthbound treasure is liable to fail through deterioration, moth and rust destroy, unforeseen circumstances, thieves break in and steal. Jesus says, live for heaven, not for earth. Then he says, second part of his diagnosis, is he says wrong vision. Thinking about life in the wrong way. He says, when we see clearly, this world is full of light, color, and beauty. But if our eyes are diseased, 
The world is dim, confusing, and even dark as night. Jesus is here speaking about the eye of the spirit, the eye of the heart. In the language of scripture, fixing the eye and fixing the heart amount to the same thing. Focusing our attention and concentrating our energies on something. Jesus is saying that the dark spirit of anxiety that grips us is caused by failure to focus spiritually and by thinking about life with a mistaken or diseased perspective. What's the cure? A healed perspective. And lastly, serving a wrong master. We were made to have a master, God. We were not created autonomous. We are worshiping creatures. We worship all the time. We are either worshiping God or we're worshiping something else. Jesus' diagnosis, where's your treasure? On what is your vision focused? And who is your master? Now, aren't you glad I'm not going to stop the sermon right there? Because that's bad news. Because we all have our treasure in wrong places. We all have our vision skewed. We all need a healing of perspective. And we all serve all sorts of masters other than Jesus all the time. So what is Jesus' cure? Look with me at verse 33. His cure is, and here's the foundation of, of stewardship. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom, his rule, his reign, his authority. Now, what exactly does that mean? What does it mean to be kingdom-centered in our life? And here is the key. We have to see and know the king of the kingdom. We have to get to know better the king of the kingdom. Who is the king of the kingdom? Jesus. It is only to the degree that we see. See, think about this. How do we make him our treasure? How do we seek first his kingdom? Here's the answer. It is only to the degree that you see that he made you his treasure. Do you believe that? You are Jesus' treasure. You are what's most important to the Lord of the universe. You are where his happiness is bound up in. You are what pleasures him the most. You are his deepest treasure. How do we know that? You should be asking me, Jeff, how can you prove that? See, think about this. Did Jesus hold on to his inalienable right to life? gave up his life in order to have you his treasure. See, he prized you more than his own life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This to me is one of the most amazing scriptures in all of the Bible. The writer to the Hebrews says, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that was set before him? It was you. It was me. It was us. We are Jesus' treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart is with your treasure. And the only way 
for you to have Jesus as your treasure is to know deeply that you're his treasure. And I've said it again and again. The hardest thing to do in life is to receive. We all want to be good enough. We all want to be sufficient enough. We all want to be adequate enough. That way we've kind of earned our way. We've made it. Jesus says, admit you're not adequate. Admit you're not good enough. And I'm adequate for you as your substitute. I took your place. I li as Tim Keller says, I lived the life you should have lived. I died the death you should have died. It is only as we see that and only to the degree we see that. There's only one way renewal is going to happen here in this church and in this community, only to the degree that we are gripped and we rediscover the riches of the gospel. See, we were built for so much more than holding on to our rights, holding on to our autonomy, holding on to the inalienable right to life, our freedom. See, we need to recognize, as Paul wrote to the Colossians, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. I want you to think about what that means, that you are Jesus' treasure. And I want you to think about this then as we, what does Paul say, by the mercies of God, present our lives to him, present our time, present our talents, present our treasures. It's by the mercies of God. What is the mercy of God? I want you to hear your father's voice. When Jesus was baptized, the gospel writers tell us that the heavens were rent open. They were torn open. So this was kind of violent. This was not like this pretty thing. The heavens were torn open, and the Father's voice spoke of Jesus. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. In other words, the son was the Father's treasure. The son was the Father's truest treasure. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer in trusting in Christ, where is your life now? It is in Christ. You are seen as if Jesus is your filter over you. I don't know much about social media. I don't know much about things like Instagram. But I hear there's a way to take pictures, and then you do all these things with filters. Do you recognize that Jesus is the filter over every one of your flaws, every one of your failures, every one of the things you regret, every aspect of your life that you're ashamed of, every part of you that you feel guilty about, every part of you that you feel like is not good enough, Jesus is the filter over you. So the Father's voice over you, this is what the Father is saying. You are my well-beloved son or daughter. With you I am well pleased. Only to the degree that we hear that that's the dominant voice will our hearts be renewed and moved to want others to hear that voice. That we will want others to live in light of that hope. That's the only hope. Isn't it amazing to know that Jesus is proud of you, that the Father's voice sings and dances over you? The only way to make him your true treasure is to recognize you are his true treasure. That sounds so paradoxical and counterintuitive, doesn't it? 
but that's the only way. And that's what LOPC 2.0 is going after. It is going after our hearts. It is aimed at heart change. As we go to the Lord's table right now, I want you to hear the Father's voice saying to you, you are my well-beloved son or daughter. With you I am well pleased. Father, we pray that we would understand that life is stewardship and the only way for us to manage the treasure you've given to us is for us to recognize that we are your treasure. So Father, I pray that you would open our hearts to surrender to your grace and love. And I pray that we would hear your voice saying that we are your sons and daughters, that you are well pleased with us, that we would know Jesus as the filter over our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As the elders come forward for our celebration of the Lord's Supper, let's stand and sing together the first two verses of When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Friends, if you are a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and a part of any evangelical church, you are invited to come to this Jesus' table where he wants to feed you with his grace. He wants to communicate to you his love for you. For God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. May our hearts be melted at the love of Christ, which is not a warm fuzzy feeling. God's love is a conquering power to conquer our lives and to be the dominant theme of our lives. 
My prayer for my own heart, my prayer for your heart, is that we would know more and more the love of Christ. It is only the love of Christ that's going to minister to, give hope to, bring renewal and healing to Lake Oconee. It is only the love of Christ that's going to heal our hearts of whatever it is we struggle with. Recognize Jesus is feeding you right now with himself. This is a table of grace. And if you have received that grace, you're welcome to this table. It's not my table. It's not the session's table. It is the Lord's table. And he welcomes all who trust in him. It is only if you're not trusting in him, if you're still trying to do it on your own, we respect that. We would encourage you, come, ask Jesus to make himself real to you. But we'd ask you then to let the elements pass by. Let's pray. You have given us this sacrament to remind us, to feed us, to connect our hearts with your love. Lord, may we surrender. May we confide in your grace and trust in you as our refuge. Father, set these ordinary elements apart for their extraordinary use, feeding our weary souls with the love and strength of Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
night Jesus was betrayed, after giving thanks, he took bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take and eat. Do this in remembrance of me.
Savior also took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for many for the forgiveness of sins. Drink all. our whole heart we give thanks to you Father and we confess that the gospel of Jesus Christ the good news of the grace of God in Jesus Christ is so life changing so altering of everything may we understand it more and more may our hearts be bent towards it may it penetrate deeply within us and overflow out of us to our neighbors, our family, our friends. Father, thank you for this opportunity to commune with you, to receive from you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing the final two verses of When I Survey. receive the Lord's benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.